Hello and welcome to another episode in the Oz Movie Geek Halloween Spooktacular. I'm your host, Pado. Today I'll be doing a review of Scream, the Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson 1996 classic. And I'd say it is a classic now. It's definitely stood the test of time. It's been 24 years and the film still holds up remarkably well. I watched it again last night. It's a staple in my Halloween viewing. And definitely a film that I think it, it benefits from repeat viewings. I love watching this film. And every time I watch it, I feel like I get something new out of it. I, I'm a big fan of the cast. Neve Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, uh, Jamie uh, Jamie Kennedy, Skeet Ulrich. You've got such a great cast here. Matthew Lillard, Henry Winkler, uh, Rose McGowan. It's a yeah, fantastic cast. I'm a big fan of this film. And I think it's, yeah, it, it definitely resonates with me. I think it's a very well-directed film. It's got some nice little beats of black comedy as well um, throughout. I really like Ghostface as a villain, and I know that the villain or villains definitely does change throughout the sequels, but this is a film that I think definitely just holds that, yeah, it holds that place in my heart as a horror film. I think it's fantastic, and I'm looking forward to talking about it, and I think that's why I chose Scream as my next podcast, because... Scream, like I said, has been such a staple in my Halloween viewing for years now. I remember the first time I watched it, I was in year 10. Uh, so it would have been 2012, which is a shame. So I, I, what I mean by a shame is that I, it's a shame that I hadn't seen it earlier. Um, it's a film that means a lot to me, like I said. Um, and I remember the first time I watched it, I watched it about three or four times within the first couple of days. I actually rented it from our local video store. Um, and then Scream 4 actually came out the following... No, so it was... Sorry, I was in year eight because I, I saw Scream 4 when it came out in cinemas. So, sorry, I was in year eight. So, it was actually 2010 when I first saw it. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was a shame that it came so late in my my horror viewing. I would have liked this to be an earlier title. But at the same time, it's had such an impact on me that I've enjoyed, I guess, each of the Scream films. Scream 2, Scream 3, and Scream 4, I really like. And I'm looking forward to seeing what... Um, the directors are ready or not can do with the Scream 5. As long as the cast returns and you throw some new performers in there as well, I'm all on board because I thought they did a really good job with Scream 4. I just think it came out at the wrong time. I think if you release Scream 4 in about 2017, the film would have done a lot better than what it did. Um, and I think it's underappreciated. But watching it now, I really enjoy it as well. And like I said, Scream 2 and Scream 3 are a lot of fun too. So without further ado, let's just get stuck into it. This review will contain a lot of spoilers. Um, so if you haven't seen Scream by, I don't know, for any reason, then definitely don't listen to this review. But if you have seen Scream, have a bit of fun with this review because I'll be breaking down some plot points and talking about things I like, things I don't like, and which is very minimal, by the way. And yeah, just the film in general. So without further ado, take it away, a trailer. Hello? Hello? Who is this? If you tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? I'll do some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? So I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. 
It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now, he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act. She's always running up the stairs and she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Hey, this me. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. He didn't make the rules. The police are always on track. If they watch Palm Night, it's safe time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. So Scream was written by Kevin Williamson and directed by Wes Craven and stars Nave Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Skeet Ulrich, Drew Barrymore, Roger Jackson as the voice of Ghostface, Rose McGowan, Matthew Lillard, Jamie Kennedy, and a brief appearance from Liev Schreiber, who definitely has a bigger role in the sequels. And follows after a year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl and her friends by using horror films as a part of a deadly game. So like I said, this film has become a staple in my horror diet and is definitely a film that I adore. I think it's fantastic. I think it's brilliant. Wes Craven definitely does something here that I think he attempted to do in A New Nightmare, um, but definitely was able to really, really grasp, um, get the hang of what he was trying to do there in that film, in this film. And what I mean by that is, the satirical element that is definitely present in Scream. The idea of Scream is that it is a deconstruction of the horror genre. We have characters who purposely reference things such as the rules in horror movies, the three rules that Jamie Kennedy uh, as Randy sets up so well. The first is you can never have sex. The second, no drugs or alcohol. And third, never say I'll be right back. And the three of these uh, rules can definitely be expanded upon, but they're mainly used as a guideline, I suppose, of things that we've been able to see in films in the slasher genre before Scream. So if you look at films from the 1980s, we had all the Halloween sequels pretty much and all the Friday the 13th sequels pretty much. So those two genres, uh, those two franchises, sorry, in particular, definitely did cover a lot of those rules. They were promiscuous teens. The whole motive behind um, Mrs. Voorhees in the first Friday the 13th film is the fact that her... Um, son died on the watch of these lifeguards because they were too busy fooling around and, yeah, being promiscuous and not looking out after her son while he was swimming. So they're the rules that are established and they become a staple in the genre and Scream deconstructs those rules and has a bit of fun with them too, which is really enjoyable. We have a sequence when Sydney Prescott is on the phone to Ghostface and says, you know, she it's mentioned in the trailer where she just said, those films are insulting, you know. The the girl always runs upstairs instead of going out the front door. 
Then as soon as Ghostface comes in the house, what does Sydney do? She runs up uh, up the stairs into a bedroom, but she's pretty clever the way she handles it as well. The phone's not working, so she uses a computer. She's quite clever, and I, I've always appreciated uh, Sydney as a character. I think she has a lot of growth to do in these films too. Gal Weathers is also enjoyable, played by Courtney Cox, and Deputy Dewey, by uh, played by David Arquette, is also quite enjoyable. The film's opening sequence is one of my favourite openings in any horror film. I love it. Uh, Drew Barrymore is home alone and is being stalked by someone over the phone. Um, He gets more aggressive as the call goes along. I love the sequence when he's talking and he just says, he keeps asking her questions and he's got her feeling comfortable on the phone. Then he finally says, "Um, what's your name? And she goes, why why do you want to know my name so bad? And he goes, because I want to know who I'm looking at. It was just that comment. It always gets me because of her reaction and just like how creepy that actually is. Like this guy has, she's a bit skeptical at the, you know, the first phone call, the second phone call, the third phone call. But then, you know, she's worn down. She's feeling a lot more relaxed. And then, bam, it starts to really, really hit her um, that, you know, this guy's a bit more serious than what she initially thought. She's a bit spooked. Um, and I really like that aspect and I love that opening and how it plays. It's such a great opening sequence um, and it leads to Drew Barrymore's death as well. But everything is very well thought out in that opening sequence too. We have the shot as well where we can see that uh, Drew Barrymore's parents are on their way home, but uh, she is you know, having an encounter with the killer and the killer stabbed her and they're so close to being home and we even have that she's been holding the phone and the phone's been off the hook and it's currently dialed in an inner call at the moment. So when the parents get home, they pick up the phone, and they can just hear her daughter gasping for breath, and it's quite confronting. But it's quite clever as well because it makes sense. Like, she never hangs up the phone, so of course it's going to be still in the call. Um, and I really appreciated that as well. Um, some of the other sequences as well, the Henry Winkler death sequence, he plays... Um, I can't remember what his character's name is. Um, he's the principal of the school, though. Um, and uh, Principal Hubery, sorry. I do remember that now. Um, and, yeah, he, he's uh, looking for, you know, he, he thinks something's going on in the in the hall and he, he goes out looking and he's like, something's not right and the killer's, of course, there. Um, but that sequence is quite fun. We see a brief cameo from Wes Craven playing Freddy Krueger as the janitor, which was pretty cool. A bit of meta humour there as well. Um, and, and I really enjoy that stalking sequence, any of the stalking sequences in any film, I am a big fan of because they are quite eerie and quite tense. And there's some really good ones in a lot of other films. Kevin Williamson also wrote, I know what you did last summer. And he wrote it before this. A lot of people think it's a scream ripoff, but it's actually a precursor to scream because Kevin Williamson had a bit more clout after scream was released because of its, uh, of its success. I struggled there with those words, um, but with its success, like he wasn't able to release it prior to that. So when it, when Scream became big, he's like, I'm going to release uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and the studio ate it up, and it was a huge success. But um, in that sequence, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character is stalked um, from the killer through, like, a festival in the town, and that's always been, you know, a really good sequence and really well-directed. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, getting on a bit of a tangent there, but, um, yeah, that's what I like about Scream is some of those sequences are quite terrifying and quite confronting, and the way that they're handled is so tense that you're enjoying watching it um, and, and in a good way, like that you, you feel safe watching it, but you also, you know, you, you feel the tension that these characters would be feeling as well, which I've always enjoyed. I love uh, Randy in the film play by Jamie Kennedy. Um, I think he's a red herring definitely for most of the film because he has all the horror movie knowledge and you think that he might be behind the killings. And every time one of the characters 
uh, has an encounter with Ghostface, one of the friends, especially Sydney, um, and um, of course uh, Tatum as well. Tatum's getting the beers um, to bring them up to her boyfriend Stu, played by Matthew Lillard, um, and she's bringing them up to the uh, the party, and she sees Ghostface, and she's like, "Randy, you know, d- take that off. You look so stupid." And then Sydney has the encounter with Ghostface on the phone as well, and straight away she just thinks that it's Randy. So I found that quite funny because it was definitely playing into the fact that. I think you're as an audience, you're meant to pick everyone. It's like, oh, where's Sydney's dad? You know, who who's the killer? Um, and the first time I watched it, I really didn't have a strong inkling. I, I mean, Billy Loomis always comes across as quite creepy in some of the comments he makes as well, including, um, he, you know, he's meant to be Sydney's boyfriend, but he makes the comment about how she needs to get over the death of her mum. And it's like, it's a pretty horrendous thing to say to an 18-year-old, like, you know, you're a boyfriend, you know, go fuck yourself. But at the same time, um, I, I, you know, there's a few things that throw you off his trail as well. So when he's actually revealed as the killer at the end of the film, you're a bit shocked because you're at the, you actually think he's dead. Um, you see Ghostface stab him, so you think, oh, you know, Billy's dead. Then when he reappears to get the gun and then you see that there's actually two killers, it's both Stu and uh, Billy, and that reveals kind of cool because... It makes sense in retrospect, and when you rewatch the movie, you can kind of see how two killers would be able to get away with it too um, for as long as they have and how two killers were needed to orchestrate what happens as well. Um, the sequence where, um, of course, uh, Billy comes through the, the window after, uh, after uh, you know, Ghostface has had that encounter with Sydney initially at the house, and Billy comes through the window and he's got the phone in his pocket. Now, they say that the phone was never linked back to that number but at the same time I think that it was because my understanding is that Billy was making the call uh, to Sydney that time and that Stu was already in the house because there was no way that Stu was in the house making the call because he was in the cupboard and the cupboard's across from the stairwell so it made sense to me that Billy was actually the one who made the call in that sequence and yeah and you find out later that it's actually um that they were trying to use um, Mr. Prescott's phone because they've kidnapped him on his way to the airport. So interesting little things and definitely things to ponder about when you're watching the film as well. And then in retrospect, you think about them and you're like, oh, that's cool. That's a nice little bit of information. Gail is such a bitch during the film, but you end up liking her by the end of it. Um, She is an interesting character too, and she gets a lot more development in the sequels as well. But I've always enjoyed her cutesy relationship with uh, Deputy Dewey as well. And, of course, Courtney Cox and David Arquette married after they met on screen, which is always cute. Um, And they have great chemistry with one another too. So I've always enjoyed those two characters together. Um, I love Roger Jackson's voice as Ghostface. I've always wanted to be able to do a nice Ghostface impression, but I can never get the croakiness of the voice down pat. He does such a great job. He's fantastic. Um... And we get the plot point set up as well of um, of the false accusations that Sydney made um, for the death of her mother as well, for Cotton Weary, uh, played briefly by Leah Schreiber. He definitely has a bigger role in the sequels. Um, I enjoy that aspect as well because Sydney's dealing with the guilt that she may have sent the wrong person to death row um, from her accusations because she was never able to you know, identify who her mum's killer was. So Cotton was the you know obvious suspect, and she obviously made up the story in her head because um, you know Cotton's jacket was covered in blood and was found in his car, um, and it made him look pretty guilty. And of course, it would. 
Um, but then when the um, Billy and Stu both revealed their plan of what they were doing, they wanted to frame him for the murder, get him sent away, and then they wanted to frame uh, Mr. Prescott for the murder of everyone else that he went crazy with rage um, after the death of his wife. But Billy's, um, Billy's motive as well made sense. Um, I don't agree with it, but it makes sense in the context of the film um, that he's family was split up because Sydney's mum slept with uh, with his dad and, yeah, he lost his mum essentially but in a different way to what Sydney did, of course, because Billy went on a bit of a rampage and, yeah, killed um, multiple people. But it makes sense in the film too and I like the motives um, as well for... Uh, Stu doesn't really have a motive. He's just, I think, a bit of a psychopath. But um, the, the two motives... I guess, for the other deaths as well. Um, for instance, Drew Barrymore's character is killed because there's a brief comment made when they find out that uh, she's dead and Randy's sitting with Stu and Randy says, didn't you used to date her? Didn't she break up with you? And then Stu like gets really defensive saying, no, I broke up with her. Um, and it sort of sets up that as well. So maybe that Drew Barrymore's boyfriend and Drew Barrymore had a, you know a bit of a relationship going when... Stu was, uh, you know, dating Drew Barrymore, maybe? I don't know. But it's things like that that I like about Scream. There's such like a uh, – there's an overarching narrative, but then you can make so much up from the little clues of information you're given as well, and I think that's why it plays so well on repeat viewing too. Like I said, I rewatch the film constantly because I enjoy those little bits of information that are thrown in throughout because it just makes it so much more enjoyable to watch. Um, and the sequels, I'll briefly touch on them because maybe I'll do reviews of them one day. Um, Scream 2 is fine. Uh, it suffers from a lot of sequels, what a lot of sequels did at the time, where it feels like a rehash of the first film. Scream 3 changes the location and changes a lot of the motive for the murders too, which I enjoyed. Um, and then you have Scream 4, which is much the same of what Scream 1 was, but using a lot of those modern movie tropes at the time, we were getting a lot of remakes of horror films, so there's a lot of commentary on that. As the, I just remember the sequence from the trailer where Ghostface asks Hayden Pentier's character, he's like, name the remake of the groundbreaking horror, and she just like lists off like 30 movies. And I was like, ah, that's so funny, because at the time, you have a look at all the remakes that were populating Hollywood. We had like Friday the 13th, Piranha, um, bloody uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, The Hitcher, uh, Hills Have Eyes. There were so many like in that period at the uh, late 2000s, um, early 2010, so it was quite funny to see the commentary on that as well. And the horror genre was becoming so stale because all those movies you can lump into one and they all feel like the same movie. So I enjoyed that commentary of number four, and that's why I really like Scream 4 as well. And that's why I'm interesting for a Scream 5 because the horror landscapes change once again where there's a lot more of an emphasis on the Blumhouse model and you know a lot of the um, indie horror films at the moment too, even A24 horror. So it'll be interesting to see how they take that and what they do with it, because those guys did such a fantastic job with Ready or Not. It was one of my favourite movies of last year, so I'm keen to see them take on Scream. And, uh, of course, Wes Craven can't return, unfortunately, because he has passed away since the making of Scream, th uh, Scream 4. Sorry. Um, and I'd be really interested to see what happens with the franchise, because, like I said, I absolutely adore Scream, and I think it's a fantastic film. Um and a lot of people probably want to know what my favourite death sequence is. It's the opening. I think the opening of Scream is such a high point for the film. As far as negatives go, there's a few cheesy sequences um, that don't hold up as well. There's a sequence where we see Ghostface, like there's a sequence in the supermarket 
where Sydney closes the door to the supermarket and we see Ghostface walking through one of the aisles. And I was like, that's an extremely populated supermarket. The police are looking for this guy as if Ghostface is out in full costume in that sequence. It makes no sense. Then we see a sequence when Tatum and Sydney are talking on their balcony and we see Ghostface trekking through the... um. Uh, through the garden area there and does this snap zoom on Ghostface. And I was like, that's cheesy, does not hold up. That is such a 90s transition. But at the same time, it's a, pure, a product of its time and I can't downgrade the film for it. Um, so Scream, here is my verdict. It's well-crafted, well-executed and just plain fun. Scream still to this day holds up remarkably well, providing a genuinely entertaining mystery with great characters and a great central villain in Ghostface. I love this film and cannot recommend it any any more highly. It doesn't really make sense, but you get what I mean. I, I can't recommend this film any more than I already have. I love Scream. I think it's fantastic. I'm going to give Scream a 10 out of 10. So, guys, if you somehow haven't seen Scream, definitely go and check it out because it is fantastic. And definitely check out the sequels too because I think they are heavily underrated. Um, there's a lot of Scream, um, you know, that, that that's so enjoyable. There's so much you can find in those sequels that are really entertaining and I think it's a really solid franchise. All four entries are have something to offer and they're definitely not nearly as bad as some of the other slasher films that are out there. Um, and I'm a big fan, like I said, of that initial first Scream film. And I don't know if I'll watch the sequels again this year, but Scream is definitely just up there with one of my favorite films of all time. So if you haven't seen Scream, definitely go and check it out. But that brings this review to a close. So thank you all for listening. Look forward to more content coming at you very shortly. I'll be having some more podcasts pop up here and there. And I've enjoyed doing these reviews, guys. Like I said, I absolutely love Halloween time. Um, it's becoming a bit more popular here in Australia, which is fantastic. And I'm enjoying watching and revisiting some of these horror films to talk about with you guys because it's really fun and I love horror. So it's a win-win really because – and a win for you guys too if you like listening to my podcast. So definitely look out for more reviews coming at you shortly. And until next time, guys, peace out. <laughs>